slow down, flip us over, and celebrate. The Turn Turtles are here. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of Turn Turtles. I'm Adam. Over there, we have Matt and another Adam. How are you guys doing? Well, well, well. Really Rolling well. realms. Pretty good. It's <laughs> <laughs> their great inside jokes that you had to be here for the last five minutes. To, to Way to say things that no one is going to understand. <laughs> I do. Oh, so no today we are talking about Hansa Teutonica, which is a board game that Matt recently purchased and we played and we all really enjoyed. So we're going to be talking about it today. Uh, as um, a spoiler, one of Matt's as a spoiler, one of Matt's subnotes for this game is wow, 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 wow. So uh, stay you tuned. Like game, you are in for a treat. A treat. I guess I'm assuming that the wow, 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 wow meant it was a good thing, a good game and not uh, terrible, but we'll find, we'll find out when we get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so besides that, how what else has been going on, Matt? I have been super busy with work, with eldering, with other things, but I have upped my Cascadia player play count to 12 so i played it 12 times since i bought it wow uh, mostly wow, solo. Wow, 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 wow 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 and my most recent acquisition was a used copy of so clover we like playing with daryl and his copy so much that we bought it on our way to london on our last trip and played it with the in-laws oh yeah and it is great still love it we played it at six which i always thought would be too many people and it, it almost was it's like too many cooks in the kitchen okay some people some people don't even need to like say anything they can just kind of sit back and watch if you want to do it that way we played with eight i believe as well with two people on a team just because that's way too many i know but we had too many people and we we wanted to play, so then you just kind of shove people on a team. So it, it worked well. I mean, we don't play it for the points anyway. You play it just to laugh and have fun. So that was fun. And Hansa Teutonica was part of my Game Nerds Day purchase. I got a bunch of games back in like August or some such. And I finally took the shrink wrap off it and we played it, but we'll get to that later. So that's what oh, I've yeah. been up to. Yeah. Do you think um, So Clover would be better with lots of people if you did it in the format of like a win, lose, you draw, where someone has to go up and under like a time trial, you have to do something or else you don't make it in time. And, and it's like everyone's watching the person doing the thing. You know what I mean? No, because it's... It's when you play the game, it doesn't even feel like it should have point system in the rules. It's very much just trying to figure out your friends. Well, that's what I mean. That's kind of what win, lose, or draw is as well. But yeah, but with, it, with more players, like you've. But part of it is the conversation. Like a big part of it is the conversation arguing with each other why something is relevant or not. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think anything over four would be a little 
hard to pull off what the game is intending to do. Yeah, for sure. When we play it, we house rule it that the person to the left of the clues giver is the locker inner. So then everybody the house can house rules. I thought that's in the rules. Oh, is it? Oh, I don't know. Pretty sure it is. Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense then. Good house <laughs> rule. <laughs> so then the player to the left locks it in. So they have the final say. So everybody can kind of pitch right. in what they think is correct. And then the person to the left says, oh, I like these arguments. And then, yeah, really great game. If you like words and you like clues, it's a little like code names. But also a little different. So if you like code names, you will like So Clover. Hmm. It's a little less competitive, I think. Code names is a little. More- yeah, it's less thinky, much less thinky. Yeah, I think so. You're you're crunching your brain for the first five four minutes. I would say then- it's more like um, just one, or is that what it's called? Yeah, just one. I don't know. I haven't played that one. I think that's what it's called. I can see the box in my head, and it's by Repos. Oh, that's helpful. One. What have you yep. been up to, Meej? Oh, me. Um, <laughs> games and games and games. Not too much game playing. It's been. I've been on evenings lately at work, so I haven't been able to play too much. But um, played Rolling Realms for the first time with Matt and Hannah the other night. Yeah, it's a roll in, right? And it was it was good. It was OK. It was good. Yeah, I have about the same reaction I do to every other rolling right, which is it feels like you're all playing a game by yourself. You just happen to be in the same room, which mm-hmm. to me kind of defeats the purpose of board game night. So <laughs> it was fine. Unless I you found that one to be a little more complicated than your average roll and write. Like there's, yeah, and, and I played with a, like a lot of people who all knew how the game works. At it is, at I would agree that it's a little means. complicated, but it's just you sit there and do it yourself, and then someone rolls the dice. There's no, yeah. I mm-hmm. could just see like Matt and Mark and Sharon and Hannah all like making obvious moves and i'm like what does this mean again and like you know (laughs) yeah just demolished because yeah there's a little more going on in that one i think you played it once i played it i think twice with i don't get why there was a lot of the uh, other other folks were there probably Um, anyway maybe is now Um, yeah plug the next board game day because it's is it soon yep november 19 oh, oh really? i didn't see that anywhere on facebook it Mark said he'll put it up this week sometime i think oh, oh so well, this is that like might be too late for me to come but hopefully i can mm-hmm. yeah put it okay. in your calendar november 19 at the church you have the exclusive mm-hmm. scoop oh yeah on the next date that's what you get from being Mark's best friend. Wow. Burn. Yeah. Yeah. His wow. best friend. Anyways, back to that, James. Back to the, the thing that we're doing now. Um, me and Daryl, or Daryl picked up Ares Expedition, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. We played it. Um, so Who's Harry? Daryl. 
picked up Harry's expedition. <laughs> I say Harry. Why is Harry going on an expedition? I'm very confused <laughs> what you're talking about. What what expedition is Harry going on? Okay, anyways, this game <laughs> is kind of like a spiritual successor to Terraforming Mars. I don't know exactly how to compare the two. Um, but it has the same base game in it. So you're still buying cards um, and unlocking cards and putting them into your tableau. And as you do that, you're going to raise the temperature and the oxygen level of the planet. Um, and as you raise the oxygen and temperature level, you can do more cards that need those things to be up. So you can't put, say, bugs on the planet until both are at a certain point, but you can put bacteria on the planet right away. Um, and so the general idea of the game is you are building infrastructure to terraform the planet. Um, it's similar to the base game or to the original game, but it's much quicker and it's much more card based. Um, so in the original, the, in the middle of the table, you have a massive board. Um, and as you go, you can place ocean tiles on the board. So they're in forest tiles and city tiles. And you're basically, all the players are on this board creating the planet of Mars together. Um, in Ares Expedition, instead, the board is much smaller and it has just a bunch of tiles flipped on it. And they're all they're all just the same type of tile. And as the game goes, you'll have an opportunity to flip them. So you might get to flip a tile, which gets you an extra victory point. Um, and so what that does is it really refocuses the game. So it's just about the tableau building instead of trying to balance placing tiles and tableau building. Um, hmm. and I would say it changes it enough that I don't think it replaces terraforming Mars for me. Um, it's, it's snappier. It's less, I think less confusing and the combos are amazing. Combo rific. If any combos were combo rific, like there was a, at one point, every time I laid down a card, I would gain like one extra money and one extra heat production and one extra plant production. And I'd get to draw four cards and I'd get to lay two more cards. Like each card I laid took me like three, four minutes to resolve just because the combos get so big and it's super fun. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. so also, why, none of the why, card art. Huh? Why would you ever play the original again? If this one, because shorter and better, I never said I never said better. Ugh. I said shorter and faster. Okay. The big one is more thinky and crunchy. Mm. I would say the original is more thinky and crunchy and super fun. I love that game. Mm -hmm. The Ares Expedition, I would say, is less crunchy, so it's simpler and quicker. Um yeah. they and they they feel different because of the board. I don't know how to qualify that because I've only played it once, but it does feel very different. Um, there's mm. no area control aspect to it. Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention, um, and this really changes it. So in normal terraforming Mars, you just 
how many actions do you have on your turn, Matt? One or two no, or something? It's been a long time since I played it. Yeah, yeah so you have a two. Yeah, you have a yeah. set amount of actions. So when Daryl and I played, we only had two players, which meant every turn we were going to have a max of two actions. So how that works is there's five different phases, and I can't remember off the top of my head what the five phases are. There's something like um, researching, which would be drawing cards, developing, which would be playing cards, that kind of thing. There's five of them. And you each have a card representing these stages, one card representing each of the five stages. And before the round starts, you both secretly choose one and flip it. Mm. Which means you could choose the same one. And so you both only get to do that stage. But when you flip the stage, you get a bonus extra little thing on that stage. So if you're drawing cards, you might get to draw extra cards if you're the one that picked that stage. Right. So And that's there for the galaxy. Yeah, it's... No, yes, long time ago, like my first board game day, so like seven years ago. Um, But it also kind of feels similar to how in Arc Nova you have the you have your action cards and they rearrange as you go. Mm -hmm. It has a similar vibe to that, and it also has the scythe vibe where you can't do you can't pick an action twice in a row. Which is really interesting for two players because me and Daryl know each other so well. We got like we could we could be like, okay, I know how much money he has, so he's not gonna construct a new card, which means he's probably gonna do this other phase. So then all do construct a new card. And you get into this right. really fun trying to game what other people are gonna do so that you get your action in. Which I do is love that mechanic. Wildly different than the normal terraforming Mars. Yes, that's very different. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested to play it. Yeah, I think you when people were excited about it and then people kind of poo-pooed it for a while and now it's kind of averaged out i think and people are okay with it again i I think from what i gather different podcasts i've listened to kind of touted it as a quicker terraforming mars replacement and i don't think it is a replacement i think it's a different game with the same theme and similar vibes but the artwork is much better there's no real life pictures on the cards (laughs) <laughs> I, I'll that. I really it's like terrible. that <laughs> um so the third game i'm just gonna i'm gonna go through it pretty quick uh daryl and i played it together so there's the fallout board game by fantasy flight that came out a few years ago so it's based on the fallout video game series i believe the base game is based on the fallout 3 storyline and then there was an extan- expansion pack for fallout 4 and fallout new vegas So it is a story-based game. Um, It's kind of like Dead of Winter where you have the Crossroads cards, a similar mechanic Uh where as you go, you flip cards and you resolve the story and you're going to... The cards might tell you, like you might do a card, a story card, and then it tells you to prepare a couple other cards that are the next step in that storyline. The base game is okay. What it... What we played was the expansion called Atomic Bonds, and it makes it co-op. Um, mm-hmm. And in an interesting way. So essentially, you're working together. Um, in Fallout 3, there's two factions. Oh, I'm not. The one is the Brotherhood of Steel, and I yep. don't remember what the other faction is. Um, Guys, off the top of your heads. 
Oh, I love the Fallout universe, but I don't know if I can do it on the fly. I remember. But anyways, basically you as a team pick which um, faction you're going to be and you're playing against the other faction to get through a quest line. Um, what I There's like so about this... Hmm? There's so Pardon? many factions. The two normal ones in Fallout 3. Uh, Enclave. Yes, the Enclave. That's what it is. Uh, um, no. The coolest thing about the base game... And it carries over into the into the expansion um, is you get to level up. So Fallout follows the like the tabletop RPG system of having stats like your strength stat and your luck stat and all these different things. Um, so you start the game with two stats, I believe, two of the five because you spell out the word special because you're a special boy. Uh, <laughs> and so every time. You um, every time you kill something or gain experience, it's going to say gain one experience, gain two experience. So what you have is at the top of your player board, you have slots for S P E C I A L, and right below it, there are little holes that a peg goes in. And when you level up, you bump it up to the next letter that you have. So the first level, say I had P and L, perception and luck. I got one experience. I move the peg under the P. I get another experience. I move it under, under the L. The next time, I have no more letters, so I start over, and I get to randomly draw a new letter and place it on my board. Ooh. So now it's going to take three experience to level up, and then four, and then et cetera, et cetera, which is just – it's yeah, a really so cool way of doing it. It's mm. basically perfectly replicating the old video game skill tree. Yeah. Like, that is what the yeah, skill tree is. Yeah, it's trying to. Yeah. Right. So I know the base game didn't get a ton of love online. It's okay. But if you have it or have wanted to try it, I would definitely recommend playing with Atomic Bonds. Cool. Looks pretty cool. I love Fallout stuff. I always have. Mm hmm Well, play it on game day. Whose copy was this? Daryl. Cool. One morning, um, it has the terrible old style of Fantasy Flight game where they have the cardboard insert just to make the box look bigger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we make fun of it every single time. <laughs> um, I have not been up to a whole lot myself. I think I mentioned it last time, but we're still in the midst of uh, never sleeping life with our That's daughter. not over yet. Nope. Is not like 10 by now? No. Nope. Uh, last night was actually not too bad, but in general, it's been like half the night at a minimum. Yuck. But uh, <laughs> watching Matt play with my notes. Um, <laughs> I did play <laughs> Hansa Teutonica uh, with Matt, which was probably my my bigger play for the last little while. And I really enjoyed that one. We'll be talking with that one in a little while. Uh, my copy of Everdale did uh, end up in my hands. It arrived a little while ago, but uh, I had to get it from from Mark. So I have it, and I've been looking at it, and it's super, super pretty. It's actually less big than I expected. Really? Uh, not to you say that smaller? it's not big, but... It's um, so big. It's, Is it bigger it's than Gloomhaven? High. It's less high than Gloomhaven, um, but, but it's wider? longer. 
Yeah, that's too big. <laughs> so, it's so big. Um, the Gloomhaven I, box is huge. Yeah, the height of the Gloomhaven box, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just me, but I find that to be like the most cumbersome part about it is because it doesn't fit in the height part of cabinets and stuff very well. But yeah, um, yeah I've been playing. The and are not playing. Box. I haven't played yet. I've been looking at all the components and the storage of this thing is like the best I've ever seen. All the little trays have uh, transparent designs on all the lids and everything fits together perfectly. And even the little 3D statues you make fit into trays with cutouts perfectly and fit into the box. It's uh, an engineering feat the way this thing has been put together. So super, super impressed. Special instructions on how to pack it away again. Yep. It's, it's also so it's a whole super game obvious. Night in itself just to put away. No, because <laughs> the trays are, are a lot of them are actually expansion based. Um, so it's really trivial to get at what you want and not touch the rest because it all comes out in like modules, basically. So nice. uh, it's yeah, it's really easy to, to, to take out like way more so than Gloomhaven or anything else that doesn't have. Uh, anything even remotely like this where it all kind of fits together perfectly um i have been um i think i mentioned in the past that i now am in the possession of a 3d printer and uh just for fun i've been trying to set up a little bit of a store online so i've been playing around with what's involved with making some of that stuff and uh taking trying to take pictures that look uh anything a lot anything even remotely similar to all the awesome pictures that people take online of miniatures and minis and stuff so i've been busy with that little project which has been fun seeing how some of that stuff works cool link us thank you maybe i'll maybe i'll show zelda us yeah send us the link so that we can buy your stuff zelda us please zelda (laughs) Uh, I finally I got another notification that Mindbug was delayed by the hurricane, which is obvious, but uh, that's why the shipping label still hasn't been created. So I'm told this next week I should see that happen. So I'm hearing Hopefully. great things about Mindbug. Mm-hmm. People are playing it online. Have you played it online yet? No, I really want to just see it in my hands first and be surprised yeah. by the cards and stuff. So. I totally get that. That makes sense. So apart from that, I think we're ready to move on to our topic. And as we said this week, we're talking about Hansa Teutonica, which is a medieval themed um, network building. I'm not even sure how else we'd explain it. Area control. Uh, area control for sure is a big part of it. Matt, why don't you take away or uh, you want to do the overview here of... Yeah, sure. I'll take uh, it away. The rules. So Hansa Teutonica was designed by Andreas Stedding and published by Pegasus Spiel. Uh, I was going to say games at the end, but I don't think there is a games at the end. Um, in this little overview we'll be talking about Hansa Teutonica big box edition although the big box edition includes 
the Britannia and East expansion boards and some expansion bits. We have not played with those yet, we're just going to talk about the base game. So this will be easiest to understand if you first Google the board and the player boards and then you have a look at what each of those look like. I have one of them in front of me, but that won't really help everyone else. So <laughs> there will be a main board of, of cities in front of you on the table in front of everybody. Um, sorry, I lost my notes. There they are. Main board of cities connected by spaces for the tradesmen in between the cities. So whether that's three or four spaces that you can put your tradesmen in to connect in between each city. And the cities themselves have one, two, three, or four spaces for trade routes that you will be making as you play. So each player has a separate board in front of them uh, that will dictate how many actions you get, how many tradesmen you can move on the cities, or how many tradesmen you can move on the board once they're on the board, how many tradesmen you can move from your stockpile to your active pool, which colors within the cities you're allowed to place your trade routes on, and finally, a multiplier for endgame scoring. So that is a whole lot of information that I just shouted at you. So that's why I said it'd be nice if you could have a look at this. <laughs> and I thought the main is. board kind of reminded me like the, the kind of map you would see inside of like a fantasy novel from the 80s. Yeah, a little bit. They have like the mountains on there and the river yeah. and then cities but yeah. like the yeah. one that was printed in the front cover of the book with as little colored ink as they could possibly get away with so that they would <laughs> have like, to pay for printing like yeah the style would have been in black and white inside the inside the book but like right. the hobbit map in the front of the hobbit yeah with the the only color is the little red smaug in the top yeah mm -hmm. all sepia tones yeah yeah <laughs> So as you play, you will remove tradesmen from uh, the, like, you'll be putting tradesmen onto the spaces in between the cities. You'll be removing them and putting trade routes <clears throat> and removing tradesmen, like the tradesmen pieces from your player board to uncover greater uh, abilities. So you start the game with two actions and then as you do the upgrade abilities for the action spot, you'll get three actions four actions and five per turn that kind of thing which is very similar so to scythe now that you say it yep yeah absolutely and scythe they you you take stuff from the, the bottom and put it on the top or from the top and put it on the bottom top to bottom top to bottom in this one you're removing them from your player board and they go into your active pool and so those tradesmen you'll be able to put out on the board but they also uncover a cooler power which is really fun on the bottom of the player yeah. board, it has the five actions that you can do. So each of those actions are you can place one of your tradesmen from your active pool onto the board somewhere. And that's what you'll be starting the game with because you can't do any of the others yet. Uh, another one you can do is move an amount of tradesmen that are already on the board up to your what we call your Sophie liver. Because we don't speak Latin. It's live choice. Sophia. 
So then you start out being able to only move two, but as you upgrade that, you can move three, four, and up to five. The third one you can do, and it's probably the funnest because whether you're bumping or being bumped, it's enjoyable. So you can bump a rival tradesman off a space that you want. For this, you need to use a tradesman from your active pool to place on that spot. Then also pay one or two tradesmen from your active pool to your stockpile, depending on if you bump a trader cube or a merchant disc. And trader cubes and merchant discs collectively are known as tradesmen. Because this is the 1500s, there are no women. This is probably the most confusing part of the game for me, was the fact that you had two pools of these cubes and discs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You cut out, what'd you say? I just, I got confused just thinking about it, so I just stopped talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so under your player board, you put your stockpile, and that's the tradesmen, the merchants or traders that you, you have that you could use if you did the next action, which would be to take to move an amount of tradesmen from your stockpile to your active pool. And the amount of tradesmen you can move is dictated by an upgradable part of your player board as well. So you can start out by being able to move three from your stockpile to your active pool. And as you upgrade it, you can do five, seven, or C, which apparently means all of them. And your active pool are ones that you can use. But if you're bumped, if somebody else bumps you, you can take... Uh, the rival player will be allowed to place the bumped tradesman on an adjacent trade route and place one or two tradesmen, depending on whether it was a, a trader or a merchant, from their stockpile also on that adjacent track. So if you're bumped, you kind of want that most of the time, I think. And then you'll be able to get more guys, more tradesmen on the board while yeah. coming straight from your stockpile, not from your active pool. I definitely set it up multiple times hoping I would get bumped. Yeah, exactly. It's super cool. And when when you put your or when someone else puts their merchant in one of your rows, you're like, oh, I really don't want to bump him, but I also want to complete that trade route. Mm-hmm. Which Great. coincidentally is the last action that you can do, completing a trade route. <sighs> And this needs you to have tradesmen on each spot in between two cities. With this action, you remove your workers from the route, placing them in your stockpile, and either placing one cube in one cube in either of the cities or disc, depending on what the city requires you to have, establishing a presence in the city and perhaps majority control there. Or if it's a city with an up, abilities upgrade flag next to it. You can upgrade that specific space on your player board, which will gain you another worker to your pools. Whoever has the majority of a majority in the cities on either end of the route you just completed will get a victory point. So if Adam has a majority in both cities on either side of the route, he'll get two victory points. The traders the or sorry, the trade route spaces in each city are colored white, orange, pink, and black. And you need to have this part of your player board upgraded to the correct color to be able to place a trade route on these different spaces. So you start with white in the what is aptly known as the privilegium part. 
it's a very I don't know. I, I'm just hey, gonna skip that. <laughs> so it goes so white, much better with English. Pink and black. Yeah, I I don't get it either. But so some routes have a bonus token on them that will award extra rule breaking bonuses from three extra actions you can take to being able to put an extra trade route in a full city. And these don't take an action to use. So when somebody somebody decides to use their bonus of like four extra actions, then it's quite a big bonus. That's really cool. Uh, they will also be replaced to an empty trade route once your turn is ended. And there are a finite supply of those bonus dishes they have food on the back side of the token and it's as if it's a plate with food on it. I'm not really sure why they chose that theme, but that's Doesn't fun. look like food. <laughs> <laughs> so the game will end when there are 10 full cities on the board or someone has reached 20 points on the victory track or there are no more bonus dishes to take when you need to take one. So there are three end game conditions what i really like about that is as soon as one is reached the game ends immediately there's no finishing the round there's no finish the round and get one more round it's just it's over you lost probably right put it in your BJ stats <laughs> at the end of the game you'll get points for where your marker is on the, the victory point track already you get four points for each of the developed abilities on your player board or fully developed player board abilities so if you have all five actions because you did that one all the way across you get four points for that depending on how many dishes you have it's a bit of a set collection so if you have one you get one point if you have two or three you get three points and then you'll get more points it's almost exponential the more you get of those uh, you get Two points for each city that you control that you have the majority on. You'll get... Um, oh, one of the cities on the board, instead of having a develop abilities flag, just has straight up points for you to claim for the end of the game. So if you go there and you don't... And you, you complete a trade route, but you don't put a tradesman on in either city you can choose instead to put your merchant on the 11 point space if you can go there and then at the end of the game if you'll you have the, the if you have the right privilege color open privilegium yeah sorry <laughs> and then the final scoring is you'll find your largest connected trade route and that's all the cities that are you have uh at least one tradesman in in the whole on the whole board and then multiplied by your keys on your player board so that's something that doesn't give you an extra ability throughout the game but if you upgrade that by the end of the game you can have a lot more points based on the trade route that you have yeah and the whole thing is beige with a splash oh, so much beige I don't like I don't know this seems to be a theme in older board gaming it's german and it's gray, it's beige yeah if like if this were a space game and it was black with cool bright poppy colors more people would play it 
for sure. And that's that was sad. exactly exactly the analogy that I thought of, and I thought that I would like this less if it was outer space. Really? Yeah. I admit the border, the weird like red border, is a little bit like it's not red. It's supposed to be bronze. <laughs> Whatever that border is, it looks red in the picture that I'm looking at to refresh my memory. That's why I said but, when like, we were as playing, far as if they the, made that actually look like bronze. As far as the inner art goes, like if the, if the outside border had been like colorful, like medieval, like flags, like the like the champions carried or something. But like yeah. as far as the inner art goes, I really like it. It it is kind of simple, yeah, it's terrible, old timey <laughs> sort of plain like that. Okay, but it it looks like Let old me- medieval art, and I like it. I will clarify. It's not the art that's terrible. It's the color palette that's terrible. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of space on the board where they could have made things a lot bigger and easier to see. Like there's a lot of open space, which is fine, but also could have made it a little clearer to see things. Yeah. Mm. By making everything black and giving you spaceships. No, I don't think I'd like it in space either. Because it's based on a historical thing. Like, it's... Yeah. I think I just like space more than Earth. Maybe that's the problem. There's already a ton of space games, too, though. So that's not really original either. No, absolutely not. No, and I don't decry it for not being original. I just think it's bland and yucky. (laughs) It's It's the typical Euro game. It's the tapioca Euro game. That's true. <laughs> I think I said what I think when we when we were playing this, I said something along the lines of like, "This is like perfect and like old timey, boring medieval." And Hannah was like, "Like chess," and I'm like, "Exactly, just like chess." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these these are the I, things that I like. I enjoyed so with your little cubes and discs. I always play yellow, and I had a midget cube. That was, for some reason, half the size. Just one. It was half the size of everyone else's. And I also had one that was split in half, which gave it a very realistic, woody feel. And I had to try really hard not to rip it apart. I just kept fiddling with it. (laughs) I never Um, knew that. So we've unofficially moved on to the the talk about our planned uh, physical stuff and components and things. I thought that's Um, where we were because Matt's first comment is, why beige, why? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing to maybe that's that's interesting to call up is that the the little um scroll art picture things that describe what the important cities are are also very similar. Like they're that old time yard with like a person standing holding something. And you have to look yeah, at they're holding specifically a what each person is holding or doing to see what that mm-hmm. city is for. Yeah, it yeah. also was not super easy to decipher. I I still kind of liked it, but um, it I think it's very on going, theme. Like going along with that earlier, I said, "Why is it in Latin?" And I respect that it's in Latin because it's it's based off of this theme of trading in Rome, and that's fine. Right. But the iconography also just doesn't match the actions, partly because it's in Latin and I don't speak Latin. So, like, there's the whole keys mechanic, which acts as a score multiplier, 
I I have no idea why keys are related to score multipliers. Maybe and it's like the key to the city. Like I I it took me like for the first three quarters of the first time I played, I didn't know what the discs really did. So I never got the Sophie Libre upgrade because again, I don't read Latin. So I just didn't know what it did. And yes, I understand you want your theme, but also it seems like the theme is to the detriment of explaining the game and allowing people to play it. Don't get me wrong. This game is great, but there are certain things that impede you from doing well because they're just hard to understand. Yeah, it, it to definitely be. took what it wanted to be and went all the way with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, Nothing it didn't was compromise back. on no. anything. Even the little tokens, they're just, they're old-timey squares, oh. cubes, and little discs, and their colors. Um, they're and what gets and me is, different colors. we played a reprint that was made recently. Yeah. Right, Matt? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not it's even the original. compromisingly itself. Yeah. Well, yeah. and so you get these player boards and they're double-sided. And I saw the one side, so I was all Latin. I flipped it over fully expecting to see it in English. No, it was just Latin again. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I don't think I noticed they were double-sided. But I was like, that's an easy way to fix this problem. You have Latin for the hardcore and you have English for people who want to play the game. Yeah. And it's I funny because... The guys on the board, so the, the different cities that will upgrade your different things, like Adam was saying, the guy is holding whatever that's, he upgrades. That's a standard, like a a war standard flag thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the one guy on the pennant is holding a book, and you have to understand that that book matches to the book on your player action and yeah. on your player board. And the, Which the is the guy, Sophie Libre? Yeah. The guy in the pennant who's holding a letter... You have to understand that that's the to upgrade your actions spots. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I one guy's holding a little key and there. one guy's holding a little bag and little one bag, guy's holding yeah. a book. And <laughs> what's the color all one like, again? He just legit has a scroll with the different colors on it. The colors is <laughs> not good. It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. The one other component thing that I didn't love, again, I loved this game, but the little di- dinner plate discs, I thought the symbology on the back of them was also a little hard to understand because it was just, yeah. it showed cubes and discs with arrows pointing in different directions and you had to decipher, okay, it's showing a cube and a disc and an arrow in between them. So that means that on a specific city, I can flip who's in front in ruling mm-hmm. the city which to me that's not related but sure right once you know what they are then yeah it's no problem but for the first game we're all in the rule book trying to figure out what the different yeah. discs like different dishes meant yeah for sure but if we didn't play yeah. for long enough like if we didn't play for a while we'd have to look at it again whereas with a good iconography like something like gloomhaven after playing six months you still pretty much remember what everything does because yeah. they did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as strategy goes, um, <laughs> I think we all kind of realized early on that there is like there is a lot of options in this game, and is deep. You're trying; it's very deep. You're trying to 
you're trying to control territory, you're trying to upgrade your engine, you're trying to block your players, you're trying to um I guess those are probably the three main meta things, but I think this is where the game shines though, because it's simple. Mm-hmm. It's not a hard game. Yeah. But there's so many strategies you could do. Yeah. yeah. The the, the things that I when I was thinking about it that I thought maybe were if I had to pick a few things that rose above the rest uh, was that you definitely want to upgrade your actions pretty quick so that you're doing at least three things I think probably uh, pretty mm-hmm. early on. Um, there the territory control part of it was something I didn't realize at first either because some of the cities. Uh, give some of the cities are going to be very popular for good reasons because they they do things uh, to let you upgrade your stuff and people are going to want certain cities at certain phases in the game and trying to claim the right cities at the right time and have your upgrades done so that you can upgrade other cities at the right time made mm-hmm. the whole territory control part of it very multifaceted I thought yeah um well i think yeah and on that point it's it's trying to guesstimate okay i get victory points if people complete routes near cities which cities are they going to go for first right so like in the first game i tried to get i tried to take control of the city that gives you more color options right away which worked really well and then the second game, Matt and Hannah fought over the city that gives you more actions, which I think was a big part of why Hannah destroyed us that game, because <laughs> she got a ton of points from it and then finished the game about five, six turns before anyone was ready. But yeah, yeah. the other thing, <laughs> maybe this is what you're saying, but the other thing that Hannah did was like she not only had some good cities, but she also claimed a lot of space early on. And then it's yeah, it's did. harder for the next person to claim the same amount of space because you have to upgrade to claim the next spot in a city. So yeah. getting actions to get space um, is a pretty big deal actually, because not all space is easy as like, you can't take the same space that someone else is in as easily if they're already there. Right. Uh, and she also, she also took the right city so that later on it was really easy for her to connect them all up into one big route. So she could get those extra points. Yeah. And then and I think a lot of the rest is probably monitoring what your opponents are doing. But those other things are fairly. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> One of the. Right, but as far as calling out strategy goes. Yeah, yeah. 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 One of the incentives they have for making a big trade route is if you connect the easternmost city with the westernmost city. Then you'll get if you do it first, you get seven points. If you do it second, you get four. Third is like three, and then there's if you're last, you don't get anything. And so Hannah on the second game we played, so we played four people the first game and three players the second game. And on the first game, we ran out of dishes, and that was a pretty long game. Like it lasted. Uh, let me just the because. We also didn't is 45 to 90 minutes long. That's how long the game expects to play. 
And I would say we were hitting the 90 minute mark on the first game. I mean, it was oh, a learning yeah. game too. But, but we second- also didn't realize how powerful the dishes were till three quarters of the way through. Yeah, that's true. And then we, we just started. ignored that mechanic for the first chunk of the game. Mm-hmm. The second game we played, I, Hannah was at like 15 points. And we're like, okay, she's getting kind of close. And then she connected those <clears> two <throat> cities and got the seven points and finished Done. the game. And it was like it was terrible. Half an hour. I like, had no cities connected you know? into a route. None. Yeah. yeah. So she I, ended I realized- in like the 50s and I had like 20 points. It was terrible. I realized on the later end how strong that was going to be, I think. So I, I I had two strings of cities on either side that I managed to connect, um, which shot me up in points. At the I was like way at the bottom and I shot up in points fairly decently. And mm-hmm. uh, to bring that into maybe the last strategy point was that uh, you really got to realize how quickly the game can end with there's not one more round kind of thing that happens because... Uh, I had one more turn to get a third key, which would have, I think, made me almost tied with Hannah. But I didn't realize how close she was to winning, and then the game ended immediately. And yeah. that, like, just that one key of one turn was a huge difference yeah. in points. So, the game ending immediately is very jarring. Like a lot of modern games, you have a round, but it's just like, nope, you're done. Like, oh yeah. crap! I kind of oh, liked no. it. I I know I did really like it, but in other yeah. games, we're so used to like having a turn for mitigation to just try to rake in a couple points. Yeah. But with this, it's like, nope, you suck. <laughs> okay. So in our first game, Hannah won with fifty-four, and then I had forty-five. Adam had forty-two, and Meech had twenty-seven. And in our second game, Hannah won with 45. Uh, I had 27 and Meech had 24. So you can kind of yeah, see how, how like all of a sudden Hannah had ended it. And I think she knew and she was kind of yeah. like for how quickly she wanted to end it. And, me and, and Meech neither are, of us. We're putting in for the long haul. Yeah, like, we had both next. just started to set up our strategies and Hannah ends it. It's like, uh, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Like my strategy was to like clear my board, my player board. I wanted to get five actions. I wanted to move all my people up. I wanted all my Sophie Libres and my privilegiums and all my keys and and I don't know, just being able if you get four actions on Oh, it is so powerful. You can just you can put all your dudes out on the trade route and then create a, a trade route in one turn and be able to pop a trade route down. Now, that's probably not as efficient as you should be playing if you can bump your guys, have your guys bumped and be able to put more dudes out. But it feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So final thoughts here. Oh, go ahead. No, it's all good. Okay. I'm just I'll just keep talking if you don't cut me off. (laughs) Um, I think what I you want to I really. (laughs) I'm just going to jump in on my final thoughts and just cut you guys off because now my brain's going. Go. Um, A lot of big strategy games, you get to a point where you don't know what to do next. And this definitely has that. But I also felt like there was always something for me to do. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's some Euro games where you get to that point where it's just like, there's nothing I can do and nothing helpful. And this kind of sucks. But with yeah. Hansa, I felt like I could, there was always more cubes to put on the board. There were always more steps to take, which was great. Yeah. I yeah. Totally it wasn't agree. about having something to do. It's about picking the most efficient thing you can do. Right. Yeah, which which makes it way more fun for someone like me who sucks at strategy because it means I always feel like I'm doing something and I'm not getting right. bored of the game. Right. It, yeah, and you're, I really you're enjoyed it. For whatever you're doing feels rewarding yeah. and is rewarding, and that's cool yes. too. Yeah. I think in those big strategy games where you kind of go, okay, well, I did what I wanted to do, and now I've got. like i can start a whole new thing or you don't really know what to do the game goes on too long and i think that's probably one of the issues with this game it's 90 minutes and you're done if it goes that long and i love that fact that like the game ends and you go what what no okay let's play it again one more time yeah like as soon as we were done that second game and it ended so quickly i was like yeah let's run it back right away let's play it again and we should have, but I had to go to work. <laughs> and you wanted to play Rolling Realms, which is fine. I, I like that game too. But I've played Hansa Teutonica twice, and I can't stop thinking about it. I yeah, I think more. this game is maybe one of the most replayable that I've played in a very long time. It 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 almost feels like it could be the kind of game that would replace like hearts or canasta for the generation before us where they would meet every weekend and play the exact same card game with like a couple. Right. I think it has that kind of depth where you could just play it like in like with a bunch of people that are all getting very good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you develop a meta for it. Yeah. Like everybody. Oh, they're taking the action city. We know what they're doing. That kind of thing. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, I already said it, but I, I think the territory control was both surprising and uh, super, super interesting. Um, maybe a controversial thought, but I didn't love the special tokens part of it. It almost felt unnecessary to me. It was fun that how powerful they were, but it seemed to undermine a lot of effort very, very easily and didn't fit with a lot of the other mechanics in my opinion so much yeah i think the point was to try to entice people to routes that they wouldn't necessarily go to but then once you've used the first one two or three golden dishes that are put on the map in a specific location you get to choose where the next one goes on an empty route Mm-hmm. So you can put it in a, a very sought after route that's empty at the moment if you wanted to, which, yeah, it definitely seems. Or maybe yeah, that they should just be well, nerfed. And we did like, that. They almost seem too strong. Yeah. Like there was when I got to place one, I put it next to a city where I had control so that I would mill points from people. I don't necessarily think they're too strong because they can also be used to take things back that people have taken away. Like it's not just undermining. It's also overmining. Like wasn't one of them like take like eight actions or something? Four. I think it was four. four. Another four. It was Matt got eight total. 
Okay, so you have a whole second turn. Like, that's bananas, man, in my opinion. Awesome. But it's so fun. And it's once. I I agree that it's fun. The the rest of the game seems so strategic and so, Mm -hmm. like, it... It it's it's it seems like you would take chess and throw in like a hero, <laughs> like, and this guy can, yeah, mm-hmm. this guy you can upgrade or something. It, I don't know. It didn't quite fit in my mind, but it's not really Maybe a complaint. It was just chess uh, thought. Let's add heroes to chess. Then I might play chess. <laughs> you just came up with a really good idea. Yeah, I mean it's been done many times. Yeah, I think we, fall we by definitely. The wayside. Have just scratched the surface for sure on this one. Yeah, and agree. today I learned beige that surface, the beige surface. We got to find all the beige underneath. Oh, in the Britannia expansion, there is a two-player variant that you can do. So I'm sure Hannah and I will be delving into that as well. And the game, the big box version with the base game, the two expansions, is about forty U.S. dollars, which is a phenomenal price. And if you wait, it goes on sale. I got it for 27 US dollars. So, like, this is just a home run all around. Yep. Five turtles. If they. No, 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 no. It's beige. Yeah, but. If it looked better, it would be a grand slam and five turtle shells. Right now, it's about 3.9, maybe 4.1. If this was about ant colonies. Five turtle shells out of five. It, no, like not even. Ant colonies. That'd be cool. Why ant colonies? I don't know. Yeah, but just the artwork could still be better with ant colonies. Yeah. How about that food scraps all over the board, all bright and colorful. Different picnics, Adam. Different that sounds picnics. like a great game. I wouldn't change <laughs> I the love theme that. at all. That sounds wonderful. I might agree to the color scheme a little bit, but not you control the control an army of ants that has to ransack all the picnics. That sounds all right, great. Adam, how many turtle shells are you giving it? Um, what what'd you guys say? Four point one. Uh, we I said five, but Mage is right. I will give it a four point eight. This game uh, is great. I think four point seven five. What? Oh, this game is phenomenal. He said 4.75. Oh. Yeah, 4.75. I think it's... I think the the, the, the plates are just not balanced enough for me to not give it that, like, super awesome score. (laughs) Balance. (laughs) Balance. (laughs) Balance. Uh, how but, many plates did you get? How many dishes, Adam, in our game did you get? Uh, I think I got two. Oh, yeah? Okay. And I don't think I got any Anna. good ones, though. Like, I think both of mine were fairly... Yeah. That was the other thing. Like, th- there was a lot of swing in between when th- what the plates did. And th- right. so they're not all the same, right? Like, some was, like, a whole extra turn. And mine were, like, maybe, I don't know. Move three upgrade something maybe I got to do once. I'm oh, not sure. Upgrade something was phenomenal. That is a whole that's turn. Fantastic. I don't think that's what I had. That's more than a full turn. That's like three turns. <laughs> it's like I don't remember. It's a turn oh. without giving someone other points. Yeah, it's great. 
I liked mine some... where it switched okay. control of the city. So I stole right. a city from Hannah. I stole the key city from Hannah right before the end. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. She was so mad. <laughs> you, if you tie for majority on a city, then you go the by whoever the right is on most. Right most. Yeah. Yeah. A plus. We'll play again. We'll never Agreed. get rid of. Well, I think that is pretty much all we have here for this. That's this it. year episode 24 I'm out of here see ya so uh, thanks for listening feel free to contact us as always if you so desire at the turnturtles at gmail.com um, some twitters and instagrams and things that you could check out will be in the show notes Matt's woodworking and my twitter and uh, who knows what else will be in there you should check it out and see what kind of fun surprises Easter I might co- copy into those notes Ooh. um Apart from that, tune in every other Friday for a new episode. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. See ya. (laughs) The Turn Turtles were here. That's it for now. Thanks for tuning in.